Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinny Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened the Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be bestirring ourselves. Let's begin in 2 Samuel chapter 5. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, beginning in the 18th verse, it says, The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. And David came to Baal-perazim. And David smote them there, and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me, as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. And the Philistines came up yet again, and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them, and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be, when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him, and smote the Philistines from Gabah until thou come to Gazer. In verse 24, we find the phrase, Then thou shalt bestir thyself. Bestir is defined as a verb, meaning to put into brisk or vigorous action, to move with life and vigor. The NSAB version translates, Bestir yourself, as you shall act promptly. The concordance goes on further to say it means to be alert, to decide, to decree, to determine and move. Bestir yourself is an important concept for us to learn from, especially during these days that we live in. As the church and as the people of God, we need to bestir ourselves. Far too many times, we allow the enemy to distract us. And when this happens, it causes us to become consumed by the world and what's going on within it. The reason the enemy does this is to get our minds off of the things of God. The church becomes significantly weaker when we put all of our focus and expend all of our energy on keeping up with the world. If the devil can be successful in this, it makes his work easier. He gets us to look in one direction while he does his work in another direction. The devil gets us to look at politics and entertainment and economics while he subtly tries to further his plan to infiltrate and destroy the church. Politics and entertainment and other similar areas of our culture are not bad in and of themselves. It's important that we stay informed about them, but we can't allow ourselves to be consumed by them. If we do, we leave the door open for the enemy to try to drag us away from the mission at hand. And when this takes place, we start to lose our sense of urgency, which is necessary in the work of the Lord. 
Instead of listening to God's voice, we allow ourselves to listen to the world's voices, which only lie and deceive and lead astray. In verse 24, we saw the phrase, the sound of a going in the mulberry trees. The word sound, according to Strong's Concordance, means sound or voice. The voices of the world, being used by the devil, are sounding all around us. Earlier, in verse 24, it says, when thou hearest the sound, the word heareth, means to hear intelligently, with implication of attention and obedience. This is very important for us to understand. This is what has taken place today. The voices of the world are sounding, and the church has not only given the world its attention, it has also given the world its obedience. A great example of this is the world telling the churches to close down, and then the churches complying without a fight, or even so much as a word against it. Our priorities are in the wrong places. Our attention and our obedience should never go to the world. It should always go to God and to Him alone. In verse 24, it says, In the tops of the mulberry trees. The word top is the Hebrew word rosh, meaning head, especially the head of a band, captain, or company. It comes from the root meaning to shake. This is reflective of the fact that the war against the Philistines was imminent for Israel. We find the same thing taking place today. Nations and heads of state and militaries are all being shaken. The world is full of chaos and disorder is going on all around us because everything is being shaken from the top down. But since we're built upon the rock and our foundation is sure, the shaking will not harm us. The last word that we need to look at in this verse is mulberry trees. The word in Hebrew is the word baka. Many of our versions of the Bible translate it as balsam tree. The concordance goes further to say that it means the weeping tree. This is indicative of what happens when all these things take place. When the people of God hear the voices of the world and the voice of the enemy and give them our attention and our obedience, it causes there to be sorrow and weeping and depression. None of these are what God wants for his people. But they attack us because our priorities are skewed. Instead of God having the top place in our life, we've given that place to the world. And then the sorrow and the misery of the world start to affect us whether we realize it or not. This steals our motivation and our initiative from us if we let it. We start to lose our faith and our hope. And if we've lost our hope, we've lost everything. Romans 8, 24 and 25 say, For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. We need to hope. It's vital to our spiritual health and well-being. 2 Corinthians 7.10 tells us, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. The sorrow of the world is caused by us listening to and being consumed by everything going on in the world around us. We become immersed in it, which makes us lose our hope, which is why it worketh death. As the people of God, we need to see how the church can get itself out of the mess that it's in. The first thing that we need to realize is that the command says, bestir thyself. It doesn't say bestir others. That would make it very different. We are each commanded to bestir ourselves. On an airplane, when they go through the emergency procedures, they tell everyone that they need to wear an oxygen mask. They always say that it's important and best to get your own oxygen mask on safe and securely 
before trying to help someone else with theirs, no matter who that person is, because the airlines know that people can't truly help others unless they first help themselves. The same is true when it comes to spiritual links. One example of this is that the broke can't help the broke. If we want to be able to financially bless people, we first need to be financially secure and prosperous. This concept is the same when it comes to stirring ourselves up. The unstirred can't help the unstirred. Only those who are already stirred up within themselves can help those who are still unstirred. We need to make the choice to get our own affairs in order first. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in the second verse. It says, To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Paul said to Timothy in verse 6, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee. The key phrase in this verse besides that he told him to stir up the gift, is the phrase, which is in thee. This shows us what Timothy needed was already within him. What we need to stir ourselves up is already within us. When God tells us to put on the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, he doesn't tell us to go find the armor. He simply tells us to put it on, which implies that it's already there, ready for us to put on. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All of our needs are already supplied. We need to claim this promise in faith. Everything we need to stir up ourselves is already there. We just need to utilize it. Timothy had a gift from God, and so do we. That's why we're listening here today. Many Christians have received gifts from God, but don't yet realize it. These gifts lie dormant full of untapped potential until people realize them and utilize them. Some people would be great painters or great piano players or great baseball players, but they never try, and so they never know. The spiritual realm is no different. We need to pray for the gifts and then claim them in faith and then try to operate in them. When we do this, God will honor our faith and our effort, and through the power of the Holy Spirit within us, he will make us able to operate in these things, especially the gifts of the Spirit. Even if you don't feel like you have a gift from God, that can change. If you truly desire it and reach out after it, God will give it to you. 1 Corinthians 12.31 tells us, But covet earnestly the best gifts, 
and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. We need to stir up the gifts of God that God has given to us and that he's already put within us. We have to learn about our gifts. We have to utilize and operate in them, and we have to devote time and effort to cultivate them. We now need to look at what exactly stirring ourselves up means and looks like on a practical level. As we saw before, it means to put into action, to move, to act promptly, and to be alert. These are all part of the equation. But there's also a deeper meaning that we can get from looking at the Greek used in 2 Timothy 1. The Greek word used for stir up in 2 Timothy 1.6 is anazupereo. It is defined as a verb meaning to kindle afresh. It also means I stir up the fire, fan the flame of. Fayer's Greek lexicon goes on further to say it means to kindle anew, rekindle, resuscitate, to kindle up, to inflame one's mind, strength, and zeal. These definitions give us a much deeper insight into how we can stir up ourselves. The one gift that all true Christians have, no matter who they are or where they are, is the gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. This is the greatest gift, because without the Holy Spirit within us, we can't receive any of the gifts of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, His guidance and His power working in and through us and His fire come with Him. Acts 2.38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist said in Matthew 3 and 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Even though the Lord puts the fire within us, it's not automatically kindled to its fullest potential or stays that way. We are called to be caretakers of the fire within us. Over the years, we have times when we're built up and when we're strong in our faith. And there are other times when we're struggling and when we may hit a low point in our faith. When this happens, it's not time to give up or to throw in the towel. It's time to kindle anew the fire that is within us, to build ourselves up in faith, to encourage ourselves in the Lord, and to stir up the gift of God within us. This is necessary for our spiritual health. In recent times, in America and in many other Western nations, the church's fire is starting to go out. The flames are getting lower and lower. There are churches still closed today, many of them permanently closed. One of the major reasons that the fire is starting to diminish is because Christians failed to come together in person and to worship together. They failed to join together in unity and faith, to edify one another and build each other up. It's very important that we're physically together with our fellow believers. Hebrews 10.25 tells us, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. There once was a preacher in Chicago, in the late 1800s, by the name of D.L. Moody, and there was a man attending his church, who hadn't been to service in a few weeks. One night, a cold, snowy night, after about four weeks of not having seen the man, the preacher went to his house. When the man opened the front door and saw the preacher standing there, he immediately thought that the preacher was going to rebuke him and condemn him for not attending church. The preacher, however, just walked in quietly and went into the parlor and sat in front of the coal fireplace that was in the house. Then the man came and sat next to the preacher. Neither of them said a word. They just sat there and stared into the fire. 
After about 15 minutes of silence between them, the preacher stood up and walked over to the fire and used the tongs to pick up a coal off of the pile and placed it by itself alone. The single piece of coal had its own flame, but as the minutes passed, the flame slowly started to die down because there were no other coals for it to feed off of, so the flame eventually went out completely. When this happened, the preacher went back to his seat. Then the man looked at him and said, I understand. I'll be in church next Sunday. Then the preacher left. This gets to the heart of the matter. If we're away from the house of God for too long, and our fire is left unchecked, our fire can start to fizzle out. But God always calls us back home and gives us a second chance to kindle our fire anew. God desires for us to be in the house of God. Even if you go to church and never speak a word to anyone and just take it all in, just knowing that we're a part of a community of believers who love and care about each other and desire to worship God together in unity will make a great difference in each of our lives. And this difference will continue for all of eternity. We can't forsake the assembly. We need to make every effort to be together. This is one of the main ways that we stir up ourselves. As we saw earlier in the lexicon, there are three key areas in our life that we need to stir up if we are truly to be stirred up. These three are our mind, our strength, and our zeal. When it comes to our minds, we stir up ourselves by thinking about God and the things of God, studying His Word, and by acknowledging Him in our thoughts and in our way of thinking. When it comes to our strength, we need to stir ourselves up by building up ourselves in faith and encouraging ourselves in the Lord and exercising the spiritual gifts that God has placed within us. Lastly, when it comes to our zeal, it's very important that we never allow the devil to steal our sense of urgency. The devil has already lost us. We've already given our lives to Christ. But if he can steal our urgency, it makes it easier for him to keep others away from God. Our zeal is what gives us the initiative to keep going, no matter what obstacles we may face. Stirring up our zeal means that we stay mission-minded and that we don't let anything or anyone distract us from the mission. Job 17, 8 and 9 says, Upright men shall be astonished at this, and the innocent shall stir up himself against the hypocrite. The righteous also shall hold on his way, and he that have clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. We are each called to stir ourselves up. We need to make the choice to do so today. It's time for us to kindle our flames anew. 2 Samuel 5 and 24 told us, And let it be, when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. We can't miss the promise here. When we truly bestir ourselves and stoke the flames of the fire within us, God will go out before us and fight on our behalf, and he has promised to smite our enemies. We can't allow ourselves to be captivated and consumed by the voices sounding in the world today. When we listen to them, it only leads us to sorrow and weeping. But when we listen to the voice of God as his people, and when we listen to the inward leading of the Holy Spirit, God will protect us from our enemies, and he will bless us no matter what's going on around us. Our priorities have to be right. We have to keep God and his house and his things first. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord God, and we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the wisdom that we need to bestow ourselves 
and to help others see their need to bestir themselves. And Lord, we thank you that you put the gift of God within us, that everything that we need is already within us and within our spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that you meet all of our needs by your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for your spirit who continually leads and guides us. And we desire to follow his leading in faith and to trust him all the way. And Lord, kindle our flame anew, Lord. We have to get back to where we started. We have to get back to basics. We have to ignite the fire of God within us. And Lord, we know that we can only do this through you and by your power, Lord God. Help us to burn our flame to its utter end and then to keep on burning. Lord, we trust you. We know that you will put your fire within us. And Lord, we are going to kindle it and turn it like Nebuchadnezzar seven times hotter than it ever has been. And Lord, we thank you that you are going to continue to help us in this endeavor. And we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to bestir yourself and kindle your fire anew and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. Then you need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you would like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.